The following sermon was preached at Tower View Baptist Church. We are a gospel-centered, relationship-driven church that exists to know, grow in, share, and serve Jesus Christ. We do all this for the glory of God. For more about us, please check out our website at www.towerviewkc.com. Thank you, Miss Meg, as always for doing an excellent job leading us through the piano each week. So thank you very much. Well, I invite your attention to 1 Timothy chapter 3 this morning. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, as if you've been visiting with us for a while, you know we're in our nine marks of a healthy church. And this is mark number nine. We're, 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 we're switching it up a little bit due to scheduling. Uh, Jeff Jones will be preaching through mark number eight sometime in September. Uh, get that date finalized. But uh, today is mark number nine which Gilbert was going to preach for us, but Gilbert went to, to North Carolina. Jeff's knee got hurt. It just, so here we are, right? So God is good. It's all fine, and we will be just fine, but it's my privilege and honor each week to stand up and preach among you. It really is. Uh, we had a thank you for the privilege of going to Oklahoma last week with my family to see in-laws, Natalie's family. It was a blessing. Uh, their church service ran about an hour and 50 minutes, so I told our Sunday school class we're going for two hours today, so... Uh, I'm just kidding, but uh, it, it was a blessing. That's right. Yes, we will keep going and have lunch afterwards if we keep it up. But thank you to Nelson, who is serving over in Wichita on guard duty this weekend, so you pray for him. Also pray for Brother Derek McMurdy, who's back at his home church in Willow, Oklahoma, which is a spot on the map. It, you, you sneeze, you drive through it, I think, is how he explained it to me. Val's shaking her head, so it must be correct. Uh, so you pray for him as well. Lots of motion this week with a lot of people in our church, but thank you for the privilege of being there. Well, this morning, we are going to be talking about the mark of a healthy church called biblical leadership. And if you're, you're sitting here, you say, well, it, it, didn't we talk about this a couple of years back? We did, but we're going to add another twist onto it. Because this morning, we're looking at an issue that is something that impacts how the church is run. I mean, you may, may not think about that. We, you come every Sunday, things kind of go on as they are. But why is it important to go through these things? Because we do not have this guy on the screen. And I've shared this before, but I want to refresh your memory. We do not have this guy on the screen. Amen? His name is Super Pastor. He's always available to everyone. He's on text. He's on Facebook Messenger. He's on Twitter. He's on Instagram. He's on Snapchat. He's on YouTube. He's on, am I missing any of these? He's on a rotary phone. Does that still exist? You name it, he's there. That's Super Pastor. He accomplishes great things. He makes a state newspaper every week. He's on top of the SBC today, happening every week. Super Pastor is always on time, and he always has time to stop and talk and give you an ear. Super Pastor never misses a birthday or an anniversary, which, by the way, uh, Don and Shirley Harrison, wherever you are, 60 years this 16th. Uh, praise God for that. So, uh, Don and Shirley... I got you, Don. You can't get away from me this time. Super Pastor, remember that one, but I'm not him, so there it is. And when you're sick, Super Pastor is always there at the hospital right when the moment you step in the ER. He's right there at a concierge service ready to drive your car. You call Super Pastor at home, he's there, and he's like, he's like a d dispenser of advice. He has the best advice ever. He spends hours studying and praying, and you can interrupt him, and he still has hours to study and pray. He loves meetings, Super Pastor does, but he always puts his family first because somehow in the midst of all that stuff, that surely has to happen. I hope you can tell by my tone I'm being very sarcastic this morning. 
Super pastor does not exist, but in a lot of churches, super pastor is expected to exist. And as a pastor, I know that you know those are unreal, unmet expectations for a lot. But this morning, I want to talk to you about a, a lesser known but biblical concept that takes us out of super pastor and puts us back into the biblical model. In fact, in Exodus 30, excuse me, Ezekiel 34, 12, the Bible says this about those who lead us among us. It says, as a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, God says of himself, so I, will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and of thick darkness. In today's world, church world, as, as attendance goes down across the nation, as cultural Christianity goes away, gone is the pastor who can simply be the one who is godly before God and, and godly before people. The pastor today is expected to be the CEO. He's expected to be the visionary. He's expected to be and know and do things which are not necessarily bad or sinful, but aren't necessarily the best for the local church. It is a new celebrity status that by changing people, that we become more CEO-driven, that just like a big company, the pastor has to have his hand in everything. And if he doesn't have his hand in everything, then, oh, by the way, he better be shown the door because he's not going to grow the church like we need to grow the church. So why is it important that we understand what this is? Because what a pastor is and how pastors lead affects you. Because if super pastor existed, by golly, you've been here, I've been here three and a half years, you know you did not get super pastor. You probably got lowly pastor, the best at it. But why do we need to know this? Because everything that happens out of this sermon affects everything that happens in this church, and everything that affects this church affects the people that you love, you care for, and you're trying to reach and grow in Jesus Christ. So therefore, it is important. To not think this is important is kind of like going to build your new house and be like, yeah, we don't need plumbing. We're just going to flush and turn on a sink and put all the, everything else in and just flood the house every time we need water. That would be super silly, would it not? And in the same way, to miss what this mark of a healthy church is, biblical leadership, is to flood the house of God with unnecessariness when the Bible speaks to the necessariness of it. That is the big idea today, that the understanding church leadership is necessary to display the glory of Christ before the world. God has given us the church, and the church exists to show forth this gospel. Now, this whole sermon is not just for pastors. There's very few in this room who've been ordained or served as pastors, but, but if you're here as a Christian, I hope you understand what this is. I hope you understand how important it is to get why we will do, should do, what we need to do in the church and to pray for us, to be accountable as we bring on new pastor leaders and one day pick my replacement. Because guess what? I'm not going to be around forever. Now, Don Harrison might be around forever, praise the Lord, but we're not going to be around forever as it goes. But one thing we need to know is this. You need to know why we structure our church or should structure our church the way we do. If you're not a Christian here today, this sounds so funny, but I pray you see Jesus through all this because that's what it's all about. So biblical church leadership. We're going to talk about the three ends this morning, the number of pastors, the nature of pastors, and the need for pastors. Because friends, the major key to our church being healthy in the days ahead is to get this concept down. We've talked about seven marks so far of the healthy church. We've talked about biblical theology, biblical preaching, the gospel, conversion. We've talked about membership. We've talked about evangelism. And Brother Derek brought church discipline last month. 
But missing this, among many others, is to miss out on the blessing that God has given us in Scripture. But yet, most churches don't follow this. Why? Well, don't most churches have pastor, Darren? I mean, are you saying that most churches... No, uh, yeah, most churches have pastors, but most churches do not pastor in the way that the Bible talks about pastoring. Well, why would they not do it? That's a great question. We'll get there in just a few minutes. Will you join me, if you're able, as we read 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 7 this morning, as we look at God's design for the local church in leadership, especially as it relates to the pastoral role. Now, this is very familiar scripture for many of you. 1 Timothy 3, you know the scripture well. And we won't be going through verse by verse necessarily, but this is the foundation along with many other scriptures we will go through today. Hear God's word this morning. This saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of pastor, elder, teacher, presbyter, do you get the word there? Or your word may say overseer, same word. He desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money, and he must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, verse 6, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. And finally, verse 7, moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into the snare of the devil. Friends, my prayer today as we look at this is not, not that you would learn more about patting us on the back, good job, pastor, or anything like that, because I really believe that the key to a healthy church lies within what we are going to be talking about today. It really does. As this goes, in part at least, as the church will go. And as we seek this out, I pray that God is glorified. Will you join me in prayer as we go before him? God, as we come before you, we, we just desire that your son receive glory. That, Lord, I get out of the way and your word speak. That our church plans get out of the way and your word speaks. That, that anything that we have that would keep us from following the commands of Scripture, the pattern of Scripture, would be there. Help us this to be done with humility. Help us to be done with boldness. Help us to be done with integrity. But, Father, let it be for your glory. Father, I pray that as we grow as a church, Father, in health, that you help us to be rifle-focused on the glory of Christ. Father, let not the shotgun of our church go anywhere else and, and, and the shooting, so to speak, of the angle of our, our, of our aim go to the target of bringing people to Christ, loving each other, and expanding the kingdom and growing people in Jesus. Let it be that simple. Love God, love people, go into the world. Father, we love you so much. Thank you for sending your son into our world while we were yet sinners. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, I will freely admit this, and I've warned Amy. Amy's already seen the slide. She knows what lies ahead, and that's always a thing. This probably will turn into a two-week sermon because I want to give it due diligence, but I think it's important to understand. First, I want us to look at this aspect of church health, of, 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 of biblical leadership, first off with the number of pastors. Number one, the number of pastors. The Bible very clearly teaches that we should be led by what we'll call a multiplicity, multiple pastors, or a plurality of pastors who are godly and qualified. 
Paul lays out the, these qualifications in 1 Timothy 3, 1 to 7. We read that. And in Titus chapter 1, verses 5 through 9. Now, you're going to hear me say a lot of different words. I want to make it very clear here. There are many roles. There's pastor, there's elder, there's, there's overseer, and there's presbyter, if you use the old King James. Those are all the same thing. Pastor, elder, presbyter, overseer, they're all the same. Any of those names can be applied to what we're going to be talking about. So I'm going to put these up on the screen. I don't usually do this. Actually, I look back over a lot of sermons. I don't know the last time I put this much scripture on the screen, and that's not a bad thing. Uh, Dave, brother, you challenged me back in uh, April when you just, you're, you're, you're drenched in, in, in scripture. Thank you for that as we go through this. The number of pastors. I want you to look at the early church. Look at Acts chapter 11, verse 30 on the screen. And I have underlined and bolded, that's my uh, notation there, but it says, and this they did, sending it in charge of Barnabas and Saul to the elders. To the elders. Notice it doesn't have one pastor running the church. It has multiple elder, pastor, overseers, teachers there. How about Acts 14, 23? And when they had appointed, they had, they had done their business meeting, Baptist style, they had appointed elders for them in every church. So the pattern, even from the very get-go of the early church, was to form out multiple men within the church who were able to do certain functions that we will get to and we just read. This is going to be the fire hydrant approach, I promise you. Just write these references down. Let's go to Acts chapter 20 and verse 17. And it says, now from Miletus, he, that's Paul, sent to Ephesus and called the who? Called the elders of the church to come to him. He didn't call one person. He didn't call, he called plural as it is. What about 1 Timothy 4, verse 14? Paul writing to Timothy. He said, do not neglect the gift you have which was given you by the prophecy when the council of elders, pastors, overseers, presbyters, laid uh, their hands on you. Okay, let me just stop right there. Because we've read through these. You've read through your Bible before. So why is it? And I grew up in a church where, it's a blessed church, where it was one guy running the show with, with different people, leaders for sure. But really, at the end of the day, it was one pastor running the show there were associates around, but, but why in America did we get to this place? Because historically, as Baptists, we have not always been in this place. Historically, as Baptists, if you go back over the history, to have multiple pastors leading the church was actually a normal thing, and to have one pastor leading the church was actually an abnormal thing. And around 1920, 1930, between world wars, the best I can understand, that, that dropped away. But if I say the word elder to you, you think, oh man, you're thinking like, I don't know who the oldest person is. You're, you're thinking Jack back there at 90 years old or something. You're thinking he's, he's an elder back there. You're not thinking elder like 34-year-old Darren up here. You, you think that's just, that sounds funny because we joke about that. Or if I say the word elder to you, you think, oh, that's Presbyterian over there. But actually, historically, Baptists, as we came out of the Reformation, were led by multiple pastors in one church giving spiritual guidance to the local church, as it is in Scripture. So why did we drop away from it? That's a great question. We were planting churches so quickly. Praise God for that. If you ever want to serve God, go plant a church. Go raise up a church somewhere. It's awesome. Uh, you know, some of us have talked about this and just going out and doing that thing. 
But we've got ahead of ourselves so much. We were planting churches everywhere that the thought is perhaps that we just we just said, well, we can only raise up one person now, so that's all we need, and, and we got in that mode. But I want you to see more scripture. First Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. Again, Paul to Timothy. He said, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. Paul's telling Timothy twice now that let the elders, let the local pastors, not just one, but multiple, rule well. And then in Titus chapter 1, Paul writing to young uh, Titus, For this reason I left you in Crete, that you might set in order what remains and appoint elders, pastors, in every city as I directed you. And what about James, this being the brother of Jesus? Is anyone sick among you? This is the impetus for hospital calls, visits. Let him call the who? The elders of the church and let them pray over him. So Paul talks about it. Jesus has has mentioned this before. We have it to Timothy. We have it to Titus. We have it by James. And what about Peter? You know Peter, brash Peter. 1 Peter 5.1, therefore I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings and partaker, sufferings of Christ and partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Pastor, what's the point? Friends, I think, and there are, are, are numerous other verses, I've given you about seven or eight here, there are numerous other verses that, that, that as healthy churches go, that we are led by not just one pastor, but by multiple. That sounds funny. That really does. I grew up in that church with one pastor. Most churches I've been have been one guy leading the charge, and that's not a bad thing. But if the Scripture tells us this is what Paul did, why would we think anything less is important to us today? The Word of God is sufficient. It is able. It's, 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 it's there. And so we need in our thinking as church to get away from the fact of we hire a guy this guy comes in, he's, he's young, he's energetic, he has a young family, his wife's definitely better looking than him because we know that, so we're going to hire her too. So we're going to bring them in, and he's going to rule the charge. We're going to be the best at everything we can do because we hired this one guy. Guess what? That is American thinking and not biblical thinking. Do you know why? Because no matter who fills this pulpit, if you're trusting in that one guy or other guy or this guy or that guy to help expand the kingdom of God, then we have lost the power of the gospel. Sure, we are to call leaders. Sure, they have a responsibility. But it is found, according to the scripture, in multiple people leading that charge. So, pastor, what are you saying? That most churches do not do this because it is foreign territory. I pray that we pray that we see more pastor leaders in this church. How many? That's a great question. The Bible doesn't give us a definition of how many. It just says plural. But I pray we do because, friends, I don't know about you. I can't handle it all. I can't. What about the deacons? We'll get there in a minute. We'll get there. But as a pastor, spiritually, I cannot handle every spiritual thing that comes my way. I can't. Uh, I can be on the phone. I'm as fast as them in the West. I can text to Siri, and Siri can type fast, but I can't get to every spiritual concern that comes my way. So how do we handle this? What does this look like? Well, let me summarize as we go forth, and, and, and you'll see this as Amy puts it up on the screen. The terms overseer, bishop, or elder, presbyter, whatever, are the same one word. The number of pastors is, means one, but 
The New Testament mentions a church, never mentions a church, though, of having just one pastor. There's always multiple. And a pastor is not the CEO and is not the head of the church. Christ is. We are simply under-shepherds of the church. That last statement would get you kicked out of most churches, if I can be honest with you. Well, pastor, we hired you to do this and this and this and this and this and this and this, and we're paying your salary. If you don't like it, I'm just going to stop giving to the plate. Okay, then stop giving to the plate. God still provides. Amen? Friends, this is so important that pastors not be looked at as hired hands more than anything else because every Christian needs a pastor, including pastor. God set up the model to be that we have multiple pastors leading the church. Now, I want to talk about that for a second because the nature, number two, the nature of pastors comes in here. What is a pastor supposed to be? Where do we get this idea from? Well, we get it from Scripture first off, but the first thing we see is that God gave us two pictures at least in Scripture. There's more, but for sake of time. He calls these pastors of a church to lead a healthy church because we are like sheep without a what? Without a shepherd, right? The Jews were an agricultural people, and, and throughout the Old Testament, in Genesis 47.3, he called the, the leaders shepherds. In Genesis 48.15, uh, Jacob said at his death that God has been a shepherd all my life. When Jacob blessed uh, Joseph, he said that God is my shepherd. And Moses, at the end of his life, in Numbers 27, he prayed for those who lead so they would not be like a sheep without a shepherd. David is called a shepherd of my people Israel. So that's just a snippet, but from the very beginning, God has been raising up people to lead the church in a way that he desires most there. And Amy's going to put this up there, but just as a side for us, as a practicality, if the Lord is really our shepherd, he's going to smack you in the hindquarters every once in a while. Amen? I didn't get a lot of amens out of that, but you can understand. He's going to do that. And oftentimes, he does it first with the pastor teachers in there because we see a problem. God gets us in the Word, and he says, oh, boom! And we come to you and say, with love and grace, boom! Because that's what we're called to do. And if the Lord is really your shepherd, and I, I know he is, he's going to smack us sometimes in the hindquarters because we need that. Because we need that. Because just like sheep who run astray, we need to be brought back into the fold. And the nature of pastors is, is that that is the case. Spurgeon said, a faithful pastor is an awful weapon in the hands of a mighty God. And that is so true. But this is meant to be such a pathetic image. I mean, a shepherd, can you imagine with a stick? Like if you, if you thought of modern people, you think a stick, what's that going to do? But this is exactly what it is in Scripture. Without good leaders, we can only go back to God's judgment in a fallen world. But how gracious God is, is to give us pastors, not just one, but multiple in His structure that he would show his loving faithfulness to his people, just as Moses was shown by Jethro to raise up people. The next nature of a pastor you see is that it's used by God to show us compassion, that the nature of a pastor is to show us compassion. I love this picture. You know, sometimes we think, man, I can't even, I can't even get along with Darren. How would I ever get along with more people that are in Darren's circle? How does that ever work out? Well, you might like them better than me. That, that's how that might work out, by God's grace. But one thing we know is that Jesus, as he raised up the disciples to lead the charge, is he showed them great compassion. How often when God 
raised up leaders in the local church in the early days, was that not compassion for the people? Can you imagine what a church would be like if there was no one leading it? It would be anarchy. Well, I want to sing this song. I want to do this. I want to do this. Well, God told me that we're going to do this. It would be absolutely crazy. But praise God, His design for a church is that He would lead us in a way that shows us His compassion. John 10, Jesus speaks of Himself as the great and the good shepherd, and so too those who lead the church should be the under-shepherd of the good shepherd. Let me remind you as well that God's compassion is surprising. That when God gives you stuff, it's a surprising thing. It's present even when we don't see it, and it's waiting for us even when we don't expect it. And one of the greatest gifts God can give a church, and please hear me, this is, I, I pray you don't hear this in any self-effacing way or anything like that or self-promoting way, but the greatest gift God can give a local church are faithful men who lead the church, teach the church, guard the church, nourish the church, and shepherd the church of God. It is not the greatest program. It is not the best budget. It is not whatever else this culture says it is. It is faithful men leading the charge. And ladies, let me take an aside on that. Please hear me clearly. We've preached on this. Men and women are created equally. We are created equally in the image of God. But as God would have it, we are created distinctly. We have different roles. And praise God for that. I have no idea how you ladies put up with us men, let alone the children that us men help bring into this world. Amen, ladies. It is a tough call to be whatever God has called you to be, and by God's grace, we are what we are, but we need to follow the pattern God has set forth. Ephesians 4.11 says, to some be apostles, to some be prophets, and some be teachers. Okay, well, well, isn't that why we have deacons, pastor? I mean, aren't they called to shepherd the church? Actually, the answer to that is yes, but no. Yes in some ways, but no in others. Now, I stand back there about 8.15 this morning, and I have terrible vision. I could not see this next slide. So if you can see this slide in the back, you are blessed, amen? God is good. But this is what I want to show you, the circle of what a difference is between an elder and a deacon because it impacts how we understand this topic. An elder, and I'm going to read these, is told to be above reproach, sober-minded, self-controlled, hospitable, able to teach, not violent, not quarrelsome, not a new convert, thought well by outsiders, the husband of one wife, respectable, not a drunkard, not a lover of money, a manager of the household, and a manager of children. And that should complete the circle, Amy, if I'm not mistaken right there. Oh, one more. Thought of well by outsiders. That's what an elder is supposed to be, a pastor, a teacher, a leader in the church. But what about these deacon guys? Don't you ever think they're just kind of those funny guys in the church? They look kind of funny, our deacons do, but I love them anyway. I love you, John. I love you, Jim. They're the only two here, so I can get away with that. But a deacon, according to 1 Timothy 3, is not to be double-tongued, is, not to, is to hold the mystery of the faith, is to be tested first and proved blameless. But they're not to be addicted to wine, not greedy, not they're to manage their household, and they're to manage their children. And you know what? They're only supposed to have one wife. And Amy, if you want to hit the next one, they're also only supposed to, they're also supposed to manage their children. But the big difference between an elder and a deacon, you know what it is? Amy, go ahead and put it up. Elder, yeah, manage household, is they are able to teach. 
Deacons are called to serve the church in physical needs. Deacons were never called in the Bible to be spiritual leaders in the teaching spiritual leadership sense. Now, that's going to burst a lot of bubbles because I've grown up in churches, and this church has had a history of that, and that's okay to a degree, but deacons were never called to be the spiritual shepherds of the church. Does that diminish what deacons do? Absolutely not. Deacons are called to serve. That's what it is. Jesus is called uh, a deacon to us. He came to serve the world and not be served. If you're serving someone, technically you are deaconing them. And you have kids that are named deacon. Their, word, their, their name literally means to serve. But pastors in the local church, the difference is, is the ability to teach. Not to be flashy, not to be, uh, you know, the best 101 communicators in the world, but to teach, to be able to explain what it means that the Word of God says. And the deacons here serve very well, but the deacons are not given oversight over the church. The pastors, the elders, the overseers are. And so Amy will put those definitions up to break this down very, very simply. According to Scripture, an elder, a pastor, an overseer is a man who communicates the content of the faith with conviction and models complete character. And may I put in parentheses in there, imperfectly. Imperfectly. Because we don't do this perfectly. We are to teach. And a deacon, and, and Steve Braden will be preaching on this in October, but a deacon is a man who serves the church in a specific need and models complete character. Why? What, what's the purpose? Why do they serve? They serve because it takes the weight off elders. So, Darren, you're just saying, you just, you're preaching a sermon today just so you can go in your study, never talk to people, and look at old books all day. Boy, that would be amazing, right? But that's not what you've called me to do. A pastor, elder, teacher, the nature of those people is to lead the sheep, but ours is to be able to teach. The deacons are to take care of the physical needs. Does this mean a pastor should never, you know, does uh, this mean that if, if the toilet needs clean, I'm not going to get out the toilet brush every now and then and... And, uh, and help scrub the bowl? Not at all. That's not what's being said. But primarily, elders teach and lead spiritually while deacons take care of physical needs. So what does this mean? Let me give you a summary of this point before we move on, and then we'll, we'll end with point number three. But what does this mean? This means as a church at Tower View, we have to have that distinction down. Deacons are a biblical office. That is an office of the church. And to get rid of them is to get rid of what the Bible says is an asset to the local church. The pastor, elder, teacher is an office of the church. To get it wrong is to be a disintegration to what God has given us in the church. So, church, what I'm saying to us today is to be a healthy church, we need a strong, robust deacon ministry. And if you're men in this church and you have not been considered what that might mean for you, you need to reconsider what that is. We need able-bodied men who are led servants to lead this church in a way that we have. Can I put that plea out there? But equally, we have a need for men to lead spiritually. Women, this does not make you second-class citizens. I, it, you know, this, this sermon will probably get soundbited and posted places over the years. Let me be absolutely crystal clear. Ladies, you are dignified before the Lord. Ladies, you have your worth only in Jesus Christ, but the pastoral role is only for men qualified by Scripture. Well, you chauvinist, narrow-minded, bigoted, Southern Baptist preacher, you, amen, because that's what the Word of God says. And I say that with all compassion. The greatest, my mother, 
who will probably not watch this sermon, my mother, over many years, my father is not a Christian, has led me more to know about Jesus over the years than many people ever have. Wasn't it Lois, uh, his grandmother Lois, and I forget his mother's name, but Timothy in the Bible who taught him the faith. Ladies, please don't think just because the pastoral role is not biblically for you that you are insignificant. You are significant as long as you follow what God has for you and who you are in him and what he has called you to do. That is where we will most find our grace. But deacons serve under the oversight of the pastor elders as ministers to the church to free up the pastors so they might focus on the administration. And the only difference between the two, really, at the end of the day, is the ability to teach. If you go to 1 Timothy 3, the, the crazy thing, D.A. Carson has said this well, the, the crazy thing about the qualifications of a pastor or a deacon is that they're really, there's really nothing crazy about them. These should be things that are in every Christian's life. You say, what's a real Christian look like? Go to 1 Timothy 3. Really, the only difference is, is that there's ability to teach. So if you say, well, I don't, I don't know if I quite meet those qualifications, you might be surprised. You might be surprised. Let's go on to number three. The number of pastors, it, it, the Bible speaks of multiple in a local church. The nature, they're sheep without shepherds, and in God's goodness, we have the distinction within the ranks, deacon and, and elder. And finally, the need for pastors. What do we do? You ever wondered that before? <laughs> I often wondered what my pastor did all day, because, I mean, you can only read the Bible so much, right? I mean, I mean, let me say that. I say that tongue-in-cheek. You can only read so much. You've got to get out and do something. So what do pastors do all day? You ever wonder about that? Uh, you know, there's those memes on Facebook where it says, what my parents think I do, and it has a picture of the pastor, like, down on his knees, praying all the time. Then it has a picture of what the church members think I do, and the guy's, like, asleep in his office like this. And then it says what I really do, and it's got a shepherd's staff, and he's guarding from the wolves, you know, that sort of thing. But what do pastors, what do we really do? What are we asking as a church these men who lead to do? First, pastors are to nourish the soul. We are to nourish the soul. John 21, 15, after Jesus, uh, Peter denied Jesus, he told him to feed the sheep. And the one qualification is that a pastor should do is feed the sheep, even when you don't want it, even when we don't want to say it, even when you don't think that's what you need. A pastor who doesn't preach the gospel, and Amy will put this up, is like a mother who doesn't feed her child. Amen. <laughs> my child heard my voice and he woke up from his slumber, so that's how it goes. 2 Timothy 4.2, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, in correct rebuke and encourage. Friends, the duty of every pastor is to proclaim the word of God faithfully. The duty of every pastor who steps in a pulpit is not to be an entertainer, is not to be a visionary, is not to be a CEO. It is to stand up and says, thus saith the Lord, and listen and obey, this is what the word of God has. That is folly, that is foolishness, that is utter ridiculousness in our culture, but that is what pastors are called to do. The duty of every pastor is, is that we must do that thing. I would rather that my calendar, I'd rather miss every meeting that you can invite me to in this church. I'd rather miss everything else in this church if I fail in the one duty to bring you God's word each week. I would rather that our website crashes. I'd rather that our financial books go to cahoots. I'd rather anything else than if I as a pastor fail and neglect to bring you the Word of God. I hope you see that importance. 
Secondly, a pastor is called to shepherd. A pastor is called to shepherd. In Ezekiel 34, God called Israel to, uh, to shepherd His people and to know His people. And it's amazing that Jesus didn't conquer, He didn't publish books, but He called His disciples by name and He knew them personally. And this is why He cares for them when the one wanders off. Now, uh, this is a modern debate with whether you like the, the, the song Reckless Love, his, rug, his Love Was Reckless, you can get in that debate, is God's love really reckless, is that a song we should be singing, I'll leave that to the more whatever, but one thing is for sure, when Jesus sees one wander off, he goes after that one while still omnipotently holding all the others, isn't that awesome? That when you run this way, God says go this way, that's why sometimes as a shepherd, some of the hardest work we do are those who say they love Jesus Christ but don't show up to church, don't show up to Bible study, don't care about the local church, and yet they made a commitment to do so. And there's sensitive needs there, and there's things we need to walk through lovingly, but as a pastor, to let that person walk out of the church without any attention to their soul is of the great, that is, that is spiritual malpractice. Can you imagine a doctor opening you up and leaving you on the table like, man, the Royals are playing the Cardinals, I got to get out of here and go to the game. That doctor would be vilified, defrocked, if that's even the word, whatever, across the board because you would, you would pass away. How much more for a church not to have shepherds who do this? And that is what we need to know. People don't need, and Amy will put this up, people don't need their pastor to be cool or funny. You can laugh at me all day. I look funny, I know. But we need them to be sincere, honest, and caring. That's what hopefully drives you to church. And members, let me just say this to you. Don't hesitate to ask for help. If you're having something, you say, I don't want to bother the pastor. Look, we have people here set up that can help. We're getting to the point where we could do that, but you've got to ask. We may not be always able to help right away, but we can pray. If you don't inform us, we won't know, and we're called by God to know. If you're always asking me, I'm one of the busiest pastors out here because I'm one of the only ones here. Nelson's here, but he has to go to and fro. You find us, we'll pray for you, we'll put you before the Lord, and that's what matters most, is to know you. I said shepherd a minute ago, but to know you. Third, and this is the correct one, is to shepherd you, to shepherd you, to lead and shepherd. This is the greatest calling that we have as pastors. The greatest calling we have is to, is to lead you, to keep watch over you, Acts 20, 28, to watch our doctrine, to be examples, 1 Peter 5. Hebrews 13, 7 says, remember your leaders who spoke the word to you. So can you be an example and be humble at the same time? Look, a good pastor shares his life. I pray we do. And we need to see, even through the failures, that God is enough. Look, our primary goal as a pastor is to lead you to Jesus. That is what you will see on the screen. And leave you there to leave you there. How do you grow in Jesus Christ? It is to grow by being in the presence of Christ. Look, you can be in my office all day, and that's not a bad thing, but unless I am taking you to the throne of grace, I think myself a God instead of God being God. Do you see that? This is why having multiple pastors in a church gets away from the personality thing. It gets away from the things that says, man, if Darren's not preaching that morning, I'm not going to show up. Or if Nelson's not preaching that morning, I'm not going to show up. Or if Jeff Jones isn't preaching... Well, I'm definitely going to show up for that one, So, and you better, because he's got good stuff. You see where this goes. But we need to lead you in a way that, that, that we model for you. It's not about us. It's about Jesus Christ high and lifted up. That's what it's about. 
And fourthly, that comes with that is guarding you, guarding you. Sheep are not stationary. You have legs. You must be guarded. If one sheep wanders off by themselves, it's hard. And saying no is one of the hardest things we can do as pastors for you. But friends, there are times, there are times that we have to break the politeness and just tell you the honest truth of what God's Word says, even if it hurts, just as you would do to me as your pastor if you saw me in sin. Would you pray for wisdom to confront if we need to? Would you pray for us to have soft hearts and do everything we do out of love? Would you pray that we don't get discouraged? Leading as a pastor is probably... Shepherds deal with not the 98% prospering, but we're around the weak, the wounded, those who want in and those who want out, and that's a lot of hard work. Doctors can't not like to be around sick people, or they're in the wrong perception, or they're the wrong thing. Members, keep us in the loop of what you're facing. You've been such a sweet church to our family and all the pastors who served here. I pray you'll never find that trust abused. I pray that as well. Number five, and I know my time is short, we're too weak this, but shepherds should shelter or protect the sheep from attackers. Shepherds should protect the sheep from attackers. What does that mean? That means, and let me be very clear here, that John 10, 27 says that no one can snatch you out of the Father's hand. If you are a Christian, you are a Christian forever, not because of you, but all because of Jesus Christ. He has saved you, he bought you, he holds you, and he will firmly do that until the end. So when you walk away and you get a taste of bad theology, a pastor, as Calvin said, needs two voices, as it were. And this will be on the screen. But one voice to drive away the wolves and another voice to bring in the sheep. Parents, you do this all the time. My wife, bless her heart, she tries to get, she gets her deep voice on because Simeon responds to that. Hey, Simeon, you know. And he responds. And if we're nice sometimes, he doesn't respond but sheep must be protected from attackers. There are times when we will look you square in the eye and say, brother or sister, I love you, but you are into bad stuff. You need to stop it, or you are going to be going down a road you do not want to be going down. We are called to defend the flock. We must hold firmly, Titus 1.9, to encourage others by sound doctrine. That's why as long as we are in this pulpit, we will preach unadulterated, unashamedly the word of God because this is what it's all about. And number six, and I will end with this, we'll pick up the rest next week, but shepherds are to love the sheep. Shepherds are to love the sheep. We should be eager as we pastor to love the sheep. First Timothy 3 says, it's a good thing to set your heart on being a pastor or an overseer, but doing so is not just to stand up here and preach like a fire hydrant before you. It is to be done with love be done with love. It must not be selfish love. It must not be uh, love that is given to wine or quarrelsome or money. Or, or, or These cannot be the mark of a, a pastor. That's why you need to pray for us, church. Pray that as we go through tasks, both joyous and, and laborious, that we do so undergirded with love, just as you should be with each other. Because a foul word spoken here or a foul word spoken there can really offset someone. And members, I'm going to ask you to do something, very, and, and please hear my heart in this. Hebrews 13, 7 says, obey your leaders as long as, it go, as long as we're teaching. Members, you are to defend your pastors. Do you know that? Defend how? Well, 
Darren, you got third. You got like a hundred. You got ten likes on your personal Facebook page, and this guy's got like six thousand. Man, you're telling me I got to defend? No, that's not what we're talking about. But the Bible says that if we are to be a biblical, healthy church, that we ourselves must stand up for each other as long as it is correct. If we are, if what we are doing here is teaching the Word of God. And if what we are doing here is pleasing to God, you as members are responsible to defend that message with us. Look, you may not always get your preferences met at Tower View Baptist Church, me included. The greatest thing that needs to change about this church is me being the senior pastor at this time. And I sincerely mean that. But you need to change as well. There will be times that we make decisions that you say, I'm out of here, I'm out of here. That makes me mad. I can't believe they did that. Friend, you are walking more in the line of what it says in verses 7 and 8, that you would fall puffed up with conceit, full and fall into the condemnation of the devil than you are walking as a humble member of Jesus Christ. You have a voice as a member of this congregation, but there will be things that are decided as a church, as a congregation. There will be recommendations made by the pastoral staff that you may not agree with, but I pray we do so with honest disagreement and love that undergirds it. Do you understand what I'm saying, church? Look, some of you may say, man, I wish you would have done this. I wish you would have done this. If you, Pastor, if you just do this, then, man, we, we just explode in growth. Great. Wonderful. Have you prayed about it? Have you gossiped about it? Have I gossiped about it? Have I prayed about it? These are things that come up because we are to share our troubles and temptations with each other, but all together we're to come together in love. Church, that's a tall order. But this church's greatest days are ahead. Will everyone look at me when I say that again? This church's greatest days are ahead. Do you know why I believe that? Because the more we get healthy, the more God is glorified. And the more God is glorified, the more He blesses. And the more He blesses, the better it is. Do you see that? I understand our attendance numbers have gone down. I understand our financial numbers have gone down. Am I worried in the least about it? No, I am not. You know why? Because I have an omnipotent God who's able to take things, even the smallest of faith, and make it big. We have challenges in this church. I stand before you knowing those. I hear those whispered about. I hear those in the hallways. I get emails about those. Thank you for your opinions on those. But together, we need to love one another. Together, we need to spend time more before the face of God than we do before the face of Facebook or messenger. We need to pray for those who aren't in our fellowship who claim to be members who aren't walking godly right now. We need to pray for those who are walking godly that they do so. We need to pray for all of us. Church, our greatest days are ahead as long as we allow Christ to be Lord of the church. Amen? I don't know what else to say. I'm out of words. Is that an hour and 50 minutes yet? Next week, next week, I want to look at why do we reject this? If we believe that multiple pastors is the way, why do we reject it? What does that look like practically? And finally, how do we implement this in our church if this is what we believe? Will you pray with me this morning? Father, as we come before you, we know this is not the, this is not the most uh, pretty concept, Lord, from a worldly standpoint. But Father, I pray that, 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 that these things that we do from this pulpit don't bring any glory to a person or an office or, 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 or counsel or, or whatever. I pray it brings glory to your Son.
Father, forgive me if I have led this church in any way that is unbiblical at both the pace and the, and, and the setting of the direction by which your word does not go. Father, forgive us. Lord, forgive us for any things that you've told us to do that we have been slow to listen and heed and take forth in your word. But Father, what a great joy it is that as we come together, we come together not in the name of a pastor or a church or a fellowship, but we come together in the greatest name, the name of Jesus Christ who is above all things. Father, thank you for these dear saints. Thank you for these dear workers, some who've served more than double my lifetime in this church. Yet together we are one in Christ, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Father, we desire your will for this church. Father, there are hard decisions to be made in the days ahead, to be sure. Nothing terrible, just things to reorient. But Father, what a joy, what a privilege that is. May you give us great wisdom, Lord. Thank you for all the leaders that are in this church, all the leaders that will be in this church. What a joy it is. We pray for Maple Park behind us. We pray for Grace Moore across the street. We pray for Randolph to our south and Clay Como to just down the road to our north. Father, let us reach the nations with the gospel. And Father, as we do it, may it bring praise to your name. Thank you so much. We pray these things in Jesus' name this morning.